This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Update on the upcoming WWE Draft. Ronda Rousey welcomes her first child, and by special request, who has the more impressive legacy, Shawn Michaels or Randy Savage? I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer reported that Fox and USA Network are informed of the, quote, key people that will be switching brands. He noted that NXT stars will be included in the draft in an effort to freshen up the rosters. However, it has also been noted that things could change at any time. There has been word of advertised matches that could possibly be spoilers, so I don't want to divulge that at the moment, but at the same time, it could be dark matches that won't make air. It's an example of a guy that's currently on Raw versus a guy that's currently on SmackDown. Uh, We see these happen all the time in dark matches, uh, but given the fact that it is on a a show that's booked for a Raw or SmackDown, uh, it gives that type of idea of of, um, that so-and-so person could be switching brands moving forward. Ronda Rousey welcomes her first child. Rousey took to Instagram last night and announced the birth of her first daughter. Very unique name here, so I apologize if I get it wrong. Laika Makalapu Akoa La Nipo Brown. So that's the full name. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. So run it back if you want to hear it. If you want to uh, look at the full name, it's on the Instagram post as it was captioned, the name of uh, her daughter. Very unique name and an amazing name at that, but uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to pronounce it right here. Rousey originally took time away from the WWE back in 2020 because she and Travis Brown wanted to expand their family. There's no word on if she plans on returning to the WWE in the near future now that she's given birth but I will keep you updated. And also, congratulations to Rhonda and Travis. All right, before we get into all this uh, legacy stuff, we still have to look at uh, last night's Monday Night Raw, and I got five pages worth of notes here on this episode of Raw. It mind boggles me how I could write it down so much stuff about a three-hour show, and um, pretty decent show at that, even though it was a lot of filler stuff, I will say that. Uh, a lot of people involved in this episode of Raw that I didn't expect to be involved at all. But uh, it's a jam-packed show, to say the least. So let's start off at the top. Big E versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. Oh, yeah, starting off right at the top of the show for the WWE Championship. This is how it was booked. Um, they said during Extreme Rules that the show was going to open with Big E versus Bobby Lashley. And as I said in yesterday's episode, I was really hoping that they would just go through the opening bump and then they get right into the match. They would go through the bump and then Bobby Lashley's music hit right, hit right away or Big E's music would hit right away. But they did do a uh, recap package on the whole feud between Big E and Lashley pretty much to open the show and then they got into the match. So I'm not too, too mad about that. You know, at least it, there's a recap package there and giving the people the reason why there's a match today and uh, on well on on raw so uh, i get that so i'm not too mad at least the show opened with a match and not with a promo segment leading into the match it started off with the match which is fine biggie smacks the taste out of lashley's mouth early on lashley enraged and takes control the match dissolves uh, down into just the two trading blows back and forth 
Uh, Biggie with a huge spear to the outside. That's one spot that I really enjoy from him. Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander on the outside wearing Hurt Business shirts. And yes, this is the reformation of the Hurt Business. Uh, Lashley, happy to see them there ringside. Lashley hits the spear on Big E and looked like he was going to win until the New Day enter and attack Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander on the outside, bringing them into the ring and causing the match to end in DQ. Adam Pearce says that this match will happen uh, on that episode of Raw with a definite winner, but now it's going to be inside of a steel cage for the main event where no one can enter. This is some Jaden Becker type booking right here. Well, Jaden Becker being myself. This is my type of booking right here because... um, Maybe not on the same night, but I'm a sucker for a good steel cage match, to be honest with you. And I think it's a perfect idea to do, given the fact that there's people on the outside that you don't want getting involved in the match, so you put a literal physical barrier there so they don't get involved. So... Uh, they sometimes people do a lumberjack match, and when the competitors in the ring don't want to want to get out, uh, like that, the goal is to keep them contained. When you want people from the outside to stop getting in, that's when you put a cage. So I feel like uh, that was good booking there. Would I've done it in the same night? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I'm not too sure about that yet. Uh, it's, the match was great for the main event. It's just I don't know if I would have done it in the same night. All right, moving on to our next match. Angel Garza with Humberto Carrillo versus Eric with Ivar of the Viking Raiders. Garza and Humberto Carrillo, as uh, we saw last week, now forming into a new tag team here on Monday Night Raw, which is fun to see given that they're real-life cousins. So, And also happy to see Garza back in action because it's been long enough to see him in, in singles action, so I'm, I'm happy to see him there. Huge knee from Eric. Carrillo distracts, allowing for Garza to connect with the wing clipper and win the match one, two, three, quick and easy. Uh, it wasn't a squash match by no means, but it was definitely a quick match. Uh, there was four championship matches, well, four championship belts, I should say, uh, that were defended on this episode of Raw, including the 24-7 championship. This was Reggie versus Ricochet in a regular one-on-one match, so the 24-7 rules were put on pause for at least the duration of that match. And I have my notes here. Poor Ricochet. At least he's on TV. I'll give him that. At least, you know, I'd rather be on TV than off TV if I'm Ricochet. But still, such a fall from grace going from uh, having a match with Lesnar to now fighting for the 24-7 title. Uh, Really, really tough spot for for Ricochet because he really has not been able to find his footing anywhere in the WWE as of late. You know, he once had, I believe he had the United States Championship on him for a little bit now. Just absolutely nothing for Ricochet if he's chilling with the 24-7 title. But as I said, at least he's on television. You know, we've always got to find the silver lining somewhere when it comes down to it. Both trading flips as they do best. Ricochet with a huge dive to the outside. 24-7 challengers were ringside watching this match. Uh, not in a lumberjack sense, but uh, behind the barricade. And then they just, just decide to get involved and end the match in disqualification. And uh, the 24-7 title scrambles uh, ensues because now that the match is over, the 24-7 title rules are back into play. The scramble ends with Reggie evading all of the competitors and still is the champion. So I give Reggie a lot of credit because he's making the 24-7 title at least look somewhat uh, wantable in a way, given the fact that he hasn't lost it in a few weeks. It used to be that the belt would change hands at least once or twice every episode of Raw. Now, at least Reggie... Uh, he's, I wouldn't say, prestige is not the right word there, but he's put some, uh, honor, he's put some, 
I don't know, chutzpah onto the belt. I don't I really can't tell you what the exact word is for 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 uh, Reggie in the twenty four seven title. But he, I guess, he's made it a little bit more respectable to hold. Maybe that's the word, respectable to hold, given the fact that he hasn't lost it in, in uh, quite some time. Moving on to our next match, Keith Lee, or should I say, Keith Bearcat Lee, which is now he's being dubbed uh, in the lower third for. Uh, Keith Lee, when he's making his entrance, it now says Keith, and in parentheses, Bearcat Lee, which is, whew, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I guess, you know, WWE thought something was broke with the name Keith Lee, just his regular, you know, his ring name. But, no, well, I guess WWE was going to do what they want to do. Let's put Bearcat in the middle of his name. Why not? He's going up against Akira Tozawa, who after the 24-7 title scrambled, demanded a match. Keith Lee came out and uh, decided, yeah, I'll have a match with Akira Tozawa. Uh, Lee wins in an absolute super squash. Uh, welcome back to TV, Keith Lee, because he's been off TV for quite some time, ever since uh, they made the return to fans. They tried to bring him back for a quick pop. Yeah, it wasn't really a huge pop, but they still did bring him back just for a little bit. Lee should hopefully benefit from the draft coming soon. Uh, this uh, not this Friday, but uh, is it this? Fr- yes, it is this Friday. Coming this Friday, so he should benefit from the draft coming soon. But if not, then Keith Bearcat Lee is in a really really tough spot, tougher than the the word Bearcat in the middle of the name Keith Lee. So. Geez, you really, really pray for Keith Lee sometimes because he has all the potential in the world. First ever double champion in NXT, held the NXT and the NXT North American Championships at the same time, ends up getting called up to the main roster. He does a fantastic job in the beginning with Drew McIntyre, and uh, it was a really, really good run early. Uh, and then with Randy Orton, he had great stuff. A really, really good run early, and then just out of nowhere, poof, he's off TV. WWE forgets how to use him, and uh, he's, he's out of our hearts for a little bit, and hopefully WWE tries to bring him back in. There's words that he might make a heel turn, Keith Lee, given the fact that he's growing out his facial hair. I know that could mean something, that could not mean something, but uh, usually facial hair somewhat means a heel turn coming possibly soon. Uh, it's a chin strap, if that gives any uh, hint, possibly, but um, we're, we're really not sure what's going to happen next with, with Keith Lee, so hopefully the draft is an indication of, of where he'll end up. Damian Priest versus Sheamus for the United States Championship. This is a no-disqualification match. Damian Priest is the champion coming into this one after defeating both Sheamus and Jeff Hardy to retain his United States Championship at Extreme Rules uh, on Sunday. It's a wrestling match early on. Action falls outside with a table set up ringside. Great strikes from both Priest and Sheamus. One thing that Priest does very, very well in this match is his strikes. I'll get into that in a little bit. Tough bump for both Sheamus and Priest as they both uh, connect uh, going through the table with Sheamus hitting a white noise. Uh, going from the apron to the table, which was a really, really nasty spot. Sheamus in control with a kendo stick. Priest's back is all welted up. Same thing with Sheamus's as well. Sheamus taunts on the top rope with the arrow shot that um, Damian Priest usually does in his, in his entrance. Uh, Priest counters with a kendo stick assault once Sheamus makes it down from the top rope. Priest takes a few nasty shots to the head after being driven into a chair and then into the mat. I think he might have accidentally concussed himself because either he sold it really well or it really looked like because it took a minute for him to get up because he hit that chair in the corner really really hard square in his head and then a slam down to the mat from Sheamus also bounced a priest's head off the mat as well so it was a nasty look Sheamus sent through the table set up in the corner a reckoning from priest to retain the United States championship hell of a match 
Hell of a match. Priest can throw some great strikes. It almost makes you think Sheamus talked with Priest prior to the match, saying, like, let him have it, you know? But give me some shoot punches, because some of these look like some mean, mean, mean strikes, especially with the fists. Uh, throwing some mean ones across the face of Sheamus. Sheamus should be done with the U.S. title after this and uh, head to SmackDown at this point. I know that's now him going back and forth, back and forth. But there's nothing really left for him to do on Raw. Uh, he already had his stuff with McIntyre. He's already gone through with the United States Championship and held it. Uh, I guess the only thing more he can do is now look up to Big E because they kind of have a feud that I don't believe has been really finished yet that was started in SmackDown but really hasn't really ended. Now that Big E is the, United States cha- the WWE champion, excuse me, Sheamus could have some stuff to say to Big E in that regard but other than that I I don't really see a reason to keep him around on Raw anymore I guess move him back to Smackdown go for the Intercontinental Championship uh, see how the King of the Ring stuff goes for Sheamus see if he can win that again but if not, Sheamus is kind of in a tough, not wouldn't say he's in a tough spot, but he he needs to end up in a spot where he can improve from where he's at because right now he's still floating around the mid-card. A lot of people still feel that Sheamus can be a WWE Championship-type talent, Universal Championship-type talent, maybe not to win it, but to at least to be in that picture once again, especially after all the stuff he did with McIntyre. So I, I think there's a chance there. I think there's a chance there. We just have to see what happens next with Sheamus. Friday's going to be so telling. Friday's going to be so, so telling. That's why we're all excited. I made a way too early predictions episode way back, and I'm hoping I see some of that stuff come to fruition. We're gonna, I'm going to get more into that uh, as we get closer and closer to the draft. But, yeah, I feel like I'm saying right now a lot of, oh, we'll see what happens. But it's really just going to be a lot of taste and see, taste and see uh, up until we get to Friday because we, we really don't know. <laughs> you know, we really, really don't know. We have a couple ideas of what could happen, but... Uh, we love the WWE universe and the internet wrestling community really just, you know, a lot of it's up in the air at the moment. Moving on to our next match, Jinder Mahal, Veer, and Shanky versus Jeff Hardy, Mustafa Ali, and Mansoor. This is a, this is very expected with Crown Jewel coming up, so expect to see all six of these guys more often. Five for obvious reasons, and Hardy uh, because he's a legend. And uh, so you expect to see all, all six of these guys uh, coming up more often. Veer connects with a wind-up uh, clothesline to win and pin Ali in this match. So uh, Mahal, Veer, and Shanky getting the win in this one, which is a little bit surprising, especially with Ali taking the pinfall there. A little bit surprising to see my, my, uh, Jinder Mahal, Veer, and Shanky go take it all here. Uh, but as I said, with WWE heading to Saudi Arabia soon, expect uh, to see you know all six of these guys could, to continue to be in action. Moving on to our next match, Jackson Riker versus Karrion Cross. Cross had a pretty decent uh, promo prior to this match, and uh, no longer does he have the TikTok as the um, not not the app TikTok, but his catchphrase that used to be TikTok. No longer is it TikTok, mostly probably because of the app and the confusion there. But now it's uh, Fallen Prey, which is very it's just the the phraseology in his um, theme song. So. Karrion Cross now going from TikTok to Fallen Prey for his uh, catchphrase. Cross says, uh, come on, Marine, come on, Marine, to Riker. I thought we were past that gimmick for Riker, which made me laugh a little bit watching the show. A weak submission finish from Cross because he couldn't really get it locked in, but Riker still, that was the, the final spot, so he tapped out. And uh, it was just a, a, a weird finish to that match. Cross needs to be fixed. 
because uh, WWE broke something that really didn't need to be fixed coming out of NXT. He had a pretty good product from what he was showing in NXT. They put the NXT championship on him for a reason. Adam Cole uh, might have said it best, saying the fact that you know WWE and NXT tried to make him feel so special because of his entrance in NXT, and that was a pretty big part of it because his entrance was so insane. But now you go over to the main roster, they put him in a mask, they they put this, uh, honestly, this Mad Max outfit on him, and you expect him to get over, especially after what we once knew carrying across as over in NXT, it's almost a slap in the face. It is a slap in the face, and how many times are we going to get slapped in the face before, you know, we decide we're going to slap back, you know? It, it, it gets to a point where it's, it's almost disrespectful, but carrying across... We know he has the potential. We know he has the potential because we saw it over in NXT and all the fantastic matches he put on in NXT. We saw it there. Uh, I'm really hoping that we were going to end up seeing it in the main roster, but he was rushed coming up. They rushed putting a a gimmick on him that I honestly think was for someone else. And now, moving forward, we're going to have to deal with this type of carrying cross at least for a little bit. Moving on to our next match, Riddle versus AJ Styles with Omos. Uh, Styles in control early on and um, before I really get deep into this match, this is on paper a banger of a match, Riddle and Styles. I would love to see this more often. Two trading, trading strikes and suplexes throughout. Fantastic reversals for both sides as well. Riddle reverses a phenomenal foron, sending Styles onto the outside. Styles reverses a, fl- a floating bro into a calf crusher, and the rope break by Riddle breaks that up. Styles reverses an RKO from Riddle into a burning hammer, and it was a mean burning hammer, dropping Riddle right on the back of his shoulders and neck. Styles clash to win it, so AJ Styles moves on as the victor. And uh, Riddle uh, there alone, no Randy Orton there, but... Um, they didn't really give a, a reason why outside of kayfabe, but uh, inside of kayfabe, I believe like uh, Orton had something to do from from Riddle's perspective. So, either way, Styles uh, wins this match, and it was a really really solid match in the middle of the show that sort of picked it up for me because it was kind of getting weak after I just watched Jackson Riker and Karrion Cross and the Mahal bunch and you know the Keith Lee match. You know, it was kind of getting a little bit stale. So to see that match really pick up the pace there, that was solid. Moving on to another title match for the night, uh, Charlotte Flair versus Dewdrop for the Raw Women's Championship. Yes, you heard that right, Dewdrop. This match would be a lot cooler if Dewdrop's name was still Piper Nevin as she was known in NXT UK. Sadly, it's not. Uh, Dewdrop outpowering Flair early, but then, of course, Eva Marie enters as soon as Dewdrop starts to get her uh, big momentum going. Natural selection from Flair. After the distraction to retain, so Flair walks out of here, the Raw Women's Champion. Uh, this did make Dewdrop look very, very good because it looked like for a moment there that Dewdrop was going to uh, at least have a chance at the Raw Women's Championship. Obviously not going to put it on her in an episode of Raw there uh, outside of a, a Money in the Bank situation, but they're not going to put it on Dewdrop this early. But uh, from this perspective, you know, the, the I'm glad what they're doing with Dewdrop from a booking perspective. I'm just so still mad that her name is still Dewdrop. You know that I, I hate to be that guy that 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 even when they do something right, I still have to knock it down because they are doing something right from the perspective of Dewdrop how they're booking her in such a strong light. But you give her this name and you give her this gimmick that is so so weak. You know, there's nothing really substantial there to hold on to. Uh, I guess you know it makes you remember. You know, like oh that that that. 
girl, that 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 woman there, that she's named Dewdrop. You know, that guess it makes you remember maybe a little bit more than Piper Nevin, but Piper Nevin obviously is something more respectful in in a in a light, and also in the same vein, it, I can see Piper Nevin being Raw Women's Champion. I can't really see Dewdrop being Raw Women's Champion, if you get what I'm saying. Dewdrop looked really good early, very very fluid in the ring, moves very well. Uh, I just wish the gimmick made any sense at all. Surprise talk from Goldberg. He cuts a promo from his home talking to Lashley directly and wants to hurt Lashley real bad. Says he even might want to kill him. Uh, We'll figure out in a bit, uh, but it's a bit odd at the moment. Uh, Odds are we'll see Goldberg in Saudi Arabia because we always see Goldberg in Saudi Arabia because that's where the money is. Uh, Hopefully not for a title. Hopefully it's just... Goldberg and Lashley and that's it and there's no title going forward but that's the hope there Eva Marie uh, from the previous uh, match she stayed in the ring and Marie says that she, if she had Dewdrop's opportunity she would be Raw Women's Champion Shayna Baszler enters and shuts up Eva Marie real quick chokes Marie out and stops her, stomps her arm on the ring step similar to how uh she stomped on Nia Jax's arm. We can call that move the uh, send him away stomp because odds are Marie will be off television for a little bit mending that arm in a kayfabe sense. So it, a lot of people might smile because of that because even Marie is off TV. But the stomping stuff is cool from Baszler, but I want to see her get involved in the Raw Women's Championship. Please, 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 please. Because, you know, we've seen her roam around in that the women's tag team division for so so long and doing a decent job with Nia Jax you know being the face of that for a long time but now that they're split Shannon Blazer's finally on her own and now they're making her look strong making her look obviously uh, I guess the, are they making her look like a heel because even Marie she was the heel I guess she's doing WWE might look at it, at it as uh, or WWE fans might look at it as uh, Baszler's doing all of them a favor by getting her off TV for doing that stomp same thing with Nia Jax so She's sort of in a, in a middle ground there, but Baszler, going forward, I need to see her start winning some matches and then start moving towards the Raw Women's Championship because it's been quite some time now where we've seen her get involved in that Raw Women's Championship picture. Moving on to the main event, Bobby Lashley versus Big E for the WWE Championship, this time not as it was in the beginning of the show, but now in the main event in a steel Cage Lashley attacks Biggie before the match even starts, brawling on the outside with Biggie sent into the ring steps and the outside cage. Match finally starts in ring with the Uranagi in the corner from Biggie, and that was the perfect time for it because it wasn't predictable. Usually it's predictable because you have Biggie stuck in the corner and then someone comes running and then it's a Uranagi in the corner to start the match with it with him him all blown up. And him looking like he's having to catch his breath in the corner, looking like Lashley's about to go get him. That was finally a good time for the Uranagi in the corner, not in the obvious spot where we always see it in the middle of the match, heading towards the end. To open it, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. It got me off guard there, which is what you want to see. Biggie's big ending from the second rope is reversed into a dragon sleeper from Lashley. Biggie fights to the top of the cage, but the hurt business enter to stop. The New Day do the same to stop Lashley and fight the hurt business. Lashley kicks out of a surprise big ending from Biggie. Big ending from the second rope connects and Biggie retains the WWE Championship. It might not feel like it now, but this is a career-defining win for Big E. Even though it's on an episode of Raw, a steel cage match to main event the episode of Raw, 
for him to finally get past Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley now moving forward to Goldberg, for him to get past that, this is a pretty big win for Biggie. A lot of these wins going forward are going to be big for Biggie because this is his first time at the top of the mountain with the WWE Championship. So uh, all these wins are going to be big for his career per se. To end the show, Drew McIntyre enters and he points his sword at Biggie, making it known that he wants a shot at the WWE Championship. Biggie, uh, excuse me. Drew McIntyre was out of the picture for the WWE Championship after losing to Bobby Lashley, making it uh, the stipulation saying that McIntyre can't go for the WWE Championship until Bobby Lashley is not the champion anymore. Now that Big E is the champion, Drew McIntyre is back in the picture. Drew McIntyre, Big E, that should be a fun match. That should be a fun match, especially with after everything uh, Drew McIntyre has done through COVID, after everything Big E has done Currently, we're going to see some great stuff coming from them, and uh, I hope for the sake of the draft that, uh, especially after this, we don't see Drew McIntyre move over to SmackDown now. I really hope we see Drew McIntyre stay on Raw. We get a good series of uh, some McIntyre and some Big E for the WWE Championship. Final grade for this show, going with a B-. minus. I'm just trending, toward, trending towards a C+. Plus. There's a lot of filler. There was a lot, a lot of filler in the show. That's why it's not a lot higher. Because uh, it could be a lot higher if uh, all these matches were quality matches. But I feel like we had a lot of filler matches. We had a lot of squash matches in there. But the matches that weren't were bangers of matches, man. We had some, the Riddle Styles match. The Steel Cage match was great. Uh, even though the match was short and was interrupted by Eva Marie, Dewdrop looked really, really good. But I didn't really mind. Like I, I, I didn't really care for Keith Lee or Keith Bearcat Lee in that squash. Uh, Karrion Cross, that match that was botched at the end, so it really took the taste out of my mouth. You know, a couple of these matches I really just didn't care for. The 24-7 title stuff I didn't really care for. But the Damian Priest match, that was pretty good with, with Sheamus. That was pretty good. You know, and as I said, as I said, we're just going to have to taste and see moving forward up until Friday. And then once Friday comes, then I can give you my full thoughts and analysis on what's next. But until Friday comes, a lot of things are really up in the air for the WWE at the moment. But that might be the best thing for them because currently things have been a little bit predictable. Now, perfect time to shake things up and make things unpredictable once again. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And then once we come back, I have a question that was posed to me. Who has a more impressive legacy, Shawn Michaels or Macho Man Randy Savage? I'll have the answer to that coming up next right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on September 28th, 1998, on an episode of Raw from Detroit, Michigan, Vince McMahon attempts to award the WWF Championship to The Undertaker and or Kane when Stone Cold Steve Austin crashes the ceremony with a Zamboni. Yes, this is the iconic episode of Stone Cold Steve Austin driving the Zamboni right into the ring. The Zamboni crash is one of the most replayed moments in Raw's history. Him driving backstage, almost taking the audio, well, did take the audio off the air and almost taking the whole show off the air, riding the Zamboni, uh, crashing over lights and stuff like that. Obviously an iconic moment in WWE history, Raw history, all that. On September 28, 2000, the British Bulldog and Triple H fought to a no contest in a WWF Championship match. You might say, well, why is this match special, Jaden? Well, The Rock was a, the special guest referee for this match, and it features, perhaps, perhaps, the best people's elbow ever. And if you know, you know, this is the one where 
Uh, you see it all over Instagram and the highlights and the TikTok highlights where The Rock just slides his way over to the British Bulldog and then drops the people's elbow you know, after running the ropes. You know, that's iconic. That's iconic. That will never, ever go away. So two very strong on this day in pro wrestling history moments. All right, time to get into the question. Who has a more impressive legacy, Shawn Michaels or Macho Man Randy Savage? This question was posed to me from one of my former professors, John Enright. John is an assistant director of athletic communications at Cornell and teaches courses here at Ithaca College. In a tweet, Enright reached out to me to answer this question. I was ready to respond in the tweet reply. I was ready to respond right there, but then I really sat down and thought about it. I'm like, wow, this is kind of a tough question to answer in 140 characters, and I don't think I can do it right now. And I don't think that my answer there would be suffice for John. So I I need to make sure that I gave him my full and entire thought, my full and entire thought for this answer. And that's why I dedicated this uh, episode of the podcast to this question, to this question. Honestly, it's a pretty important question to ask. You know, who has a more impressive legacy, Michaels or Randy Savage? So I'm going to take it in a few steps. In-ring accomplishments and talent, iconic matches, promo skills, and on-air persona, outside of the ring issues, and pop culture. So we're going to take it from uh, top to bottom there, and we're going to try and figure it out. Who has the more impressive legacy? I had the answer in my head, but I want to run through my full thought here. So... In-ring accomplishments and talent. So let's start off with Shawn Michaels here. Four-time world champion. Three-time intercontinental champion. Six-time tag team champion. Two-time Royal Rumble winner. And he did that one time from the one spot. And he's the first ever Grand Slam champion. Also a two-time WWE Hall of Famer. One for himself and his career accomplishments. And the second for D-Generation X. So that's a pretty stacked list there. That's a pretty stacked list there. Randy Savage, how does he match up? Two-time world champion with the WWF, four-time world champion with WCW. He's a one-time intercontinental champion, but I might argue that that one-time reign might arguably be the best intercontinental championship reign maybe behind the honky-tonk man. Macho Man Randy Savage there with that intercontinental championship reign. Only held it once, and he's a WWE Hall of Famer uh, in the class of 2015. Obviously, the list is a lot longer for Shawn Michaels and what he accomplished there from a statistics perspective. And also from a talent perspective, from actual in-ring physical talent, it also goes to Shawn Michaels. Easily, almost easily. I'm not saying Randy Savage hasn't done fantastic things in ring. You know, him and his elbow drop and all stuff like that. But Shawn Michaels in ring is almost arguably the greatest of all time in ring comparatively to anyone else, no no matter who. It's like Shawn Michaels versus The Field when it comes to in-ring talent. Randy Savage, not knocking his in-ring talent, but Shawn Michaels is on a whole nother level. So Michaels takes that one there. Going over to iconic matches, Shawn Michaels, his match versus Razor Ramon, Razor Ramon the latter match at WrestleMania 10. Him versus Bret Hart in the Iron Man match, WrestleMania 12. The Undertaker in Hell in a Cell, Bad Blood 1997, Triple H in an unsanctioned match, SummerSlam 2002, and then this three-year stretch, and you might even be able to extend it to four if you include Cena at 23, but especially this three-year stretch at WrestleMania late in his career, pretty much ending his career, him versus Ric Flair at WrestleMania 24, which ended Ric Flair's career, 
The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. And The Undertaker again, career versus streak match at WrestleMania 26. That's a heck of a list for Michaels. That's a heck of a list. Getting into Savage. Savage versus Ricky Steamboat, which is arguably the blueprint of how to have a fantastic match. That's the blueprint. Like that that is the baseline. Like you go look at that match if you want to go have a great match. You go look at that and look at some of the spots in that match and how they moved from move to move and move from spot to spot. Uh, you look at that match and and that's almost the blueprint, the prototype of what a great professional wrestling match looks like, at least in the early days of pro wrestling. The early days of WWF, I should say, in the late 80s. You look at uh, his match versus the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase at WrestleMania 4, and for him to win the WWF Championship. His match versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 5, Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 7, Ric Flair at WrestleMania 8, and I think that match is a very, very solid match. Call that the Woo Yeah match. I have a, have a fun t-shirt from that uh, from WWEshop.com. Ric Flair versus Randy Savage. Very impressive match. And just the two characters like in that match, Ric Flair and Savage. That That's a, a character matchup compared to none other. And then even a match from him in WCW, uh, getting up there in age a little bit, Randy Savage, uh, Diamond Dallas Page and himself. That was a fantastic match at uh, Great American Bash 1997. But who wins the iconic matches bout between uh, Shawn Michaels and Savage? It's a tough bet. It's a tough bet. But I'm going to go Michaels here, and you have to hear me out. The reason why is because he's iconic for having a lot of firsts. Even though it wasn't the first ever ladder match, the one that he had against Razor Ramon, it was the first iconic one. It was the first one that really a lot of people hung their hat on. As they might not call it the first match, but this is the first best one. Uh, that that match at WrestleMania 10, also being at the Garden, that that was really big uh, for Michaels to have that match and all the spots that Michaels pulled out in that match. Bret Hart, the first real iconic Iron Man match. A lot of people hang their hat on on that match and how uh, it wasn't even a back and forth type match. It was just going for 60 minutes and and going to sudden death. That match at WrestleMania 12. Undertaker at Hell in a Cell, the first ever Hell in a Cell match against The Undertaker. Huge. Him coming back against Triple H, that was great. Retiring Ric Flair and then having back-to-back matches against The Undertaker at WrestleMania, one of those being a five-star match at uh, WrestleMania 25, and then putting his career on the line at WrestleMania 26. A lot of these first and then also a lot of these lasts. You got these first evers in the ladder match, in the Iron Man match, in the Hell in a Cell, and these last Evers in the Ric Flair match and uh, the career versus streak match. A lot of these first and last, that's, that's the reason why I think Michaels takes it. I'm not knocking any of Savage's matches. I think out of this whole entire list, the best match on the whole entire list of comparative from Michaels to Savage is the Ricky Steamboat-Randy Savage match at WrestleMania 3. I think that's the best match out of all of them that I've mentioned here. But... Michaels has more matches total that, that are better than Savage. Uh, I think it's almost undoubtedly. But uh, Savage has had some great matches on his own as well, but I'm going to give it to Michaels there. Promo skills and on-air persona. This goes to Macho Man. This goes to Macho Man. Promo school is almost based on Macho Man's stuff and some of the stuff that he was able to do. Maybe not in his voice, but what he would say, how he would say it, how he would deliver it. I honestly can't think back to many promos from Michaels outside of him losing his smile. And that that's obviously not even a promo. 
Uh, Macho Man has the cream of the crap promo, nothing means nothing promo, the trash can promo. Uh, this is all dating back to uh, pre-WrestleMania 3 stuff uh, from, from Macho Man. All these promos that, that Macho Man went through in, in the mid-80s. Man, banger after banger after banger. And when it comes to ring gear... Macho Man may be the greatest of all time when it comes down to doing it for his era and how he was doing it then. You know, like how I just talked about Shawn Michaels and his in-ring, uh, actual in-ring talent and how it, it arguably is better than the field. I think for Macho Man, his persona and his promo skills might be better than the field. Maybe not his promo skills, but his on-air persona, better than the field. Macho Man might not be able to be touched by the, the rest of, of anyone else you can mention. Macho Man might be on top of all of that. So that's where Macho Man gets a point there. Looking at outside of the ring issues. Shawn Michaels losing a smile back in the mid-90s. Uh, missing almost the entirety of the Attitude Era after breaking his spine in a casket match versus The Undertaker. Both aren't terrible things. Because looking back on it now, it was a break for mental health. And at the time, that wasn't really recognized, but now it's a lot more accepted. And also him leaving and coming back in 2002 gave a fresh start to him, as well as an in-ring um, push that, that took him over the top. Michaels is now outing his past of drug abuse while in wrestling prior to and with the WWE in the early stages of his career, not during his matches against Taker or anything like that, but in the early, early stages of his career, uh, especially with the Rockers and stuff like that, uh, you know, the drug abuse and alcohol and stuff like that, that's starting to come out now, but directly from Michaels' mouth himself. Now we look at Randy Savage. He was subjected to the commentary desk around the time of WrestleMania 9. This led Savage out of the WWF and to WCW to continue to pursue his, his pro wrestling career. Uh, this uh, longing for the days type of act uh, of old even led him to TNA at one point where he had that jet black hair and jet black beard because he was trying to stay young. Dark Side of the Ring and A&E. Uh, they both did documentaries on Savage and ran through his storied marriage with uh, Miss Elizabeth and his abusive relationship with other women after Elizabeth and uh, Savage got their divorce. So I'm not going to give a point here, but I think it's also good to recognize that, yes, we look at them from an in-ring perspective, but these are also humans and we have to look at them from a legacy perspective as well of what happened to them outside of the ring, which is sometimes a dark side of the ring, no pun intended. Uh, but sometimes we have to look at that and especially look at Savage in some case that he might not have been the best person outside of the ring. And But a lot of people argue you could say that about Michaels because he wasn't a fantastic locker room presence either for the WWF. All right, moving over into pop culture. Shawn Michaels, not really much here from a, a media standpoint outside of the WWE. Few music, few uh, movies that came out in the recent years, but nothing major compared to Savage. Uh, you know, Michaels. You know, he sang his theme song. Uh, Michaels. Uh, he was on. He was with Playgirl for for a moment with when he had the WWF Championship. Uh, as I mentioned, he had a few movies recently. I think he had a few TV shows as well, but nothing too too major. Comparatively to Randy Savage, he was the celebrity spokesperson for Slim Jim in the mid to late 90s, and his catchphrase for the ad was, Ooh, yeah, snap into a Slim Jim, ooh, yeah, which became 
a recurring theme for the Slim Jim ads. And as I just did, his voice, his voice in pop culture is so, so, so iconic. Almost the epitome of a person that's like, oh, do a pro wrestling impression. And it's, oh, yeah, oh, I'm the macho man, yeah. You know, people. that's the first thing people jump to because it's such an iconic voice and such an iconic phraseology that a lot of people got from the Slim Jim commercials and stuff like that. Savage appeared in many television shows through the mid to late 90s. He appeared in popular popular television shows like Baywatch, Walker, Texas Ranger, and Mad About You. He was also in the movie, uh, the original Sony Spider-Man back in 2002. Uh, So Macho Man wins that, undoubtedly, when you're talking about pop culture. Macho Man is pop culture, at least when it came down to the Slim Jims, man. Ooh, yeah. You know, that that was Macho Man's thing. He broke out of that pro wrestling mold as soon as he got those Slim Jim stuff and working with outside WCW and stuff like that. Randy Savage had it there. All right, so now, tallying all the scores up, and in all, who do I think has the most impressive legacy? I'm going to go with Shawn Michaels. I think Shawn Michaels has the more impressive legacy. And when it comes down to the matches that he had, when it comes down to the in-ring accomplishments and his talent, when it comes down to, uh, I know the persona for for Macho Man is beat out by the, you know, he beats out the field, but at the same time, Shawn Michaels is the heartbreak kid. It's not, he's no slouch either, you know. Also talking about the 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 outside the ring issues and 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 pop culture as well, tallying it all up, I think Michaels is on top, even though he wasn't as active outside of pro wrestling as Macho Man Randy Savage was, but. In respect to Macho Man Randy Savage, in respect to him, in respect to the legend, there is no Shawn Michaels without Macho Man Randy Savage. The door is not open for Michaels to do what he did without Macho Man Randy Savage. For Macho Man to go through that whole persona and all the outfits and everything like that that he went through throughout the early stages of of the WrestleMania era of WWF, to go through all of that, that opened the door, not only for Michaels, but for so many people to perform in that light. You know, Savage wasn't the biggest guy either. He was a big guy, but he wasn't the biggest guy. Michaels, obviously, nowhere close to near being the biggest guy. But Macho Man, and from what he did from an in-ring perspective, and how he wrestled his matches, and how he portrayed himself on air, there is no Shawn Michaels without Macho Man Randy Savage. Savage paved the way, Michaels rode the road, and rode it all the way to the top, but it would have been a lot harder for Michaels, there would be no Michaels, it would have been a lot harder for him to break through at his size in the WWF climate then, to go anywhere near where uh, he, he, he was, what, what he was able to accomplish. So, I'm giving it to Michaels for the more impressive legacy, but as I mentioned, there is no Shawn Michaels without Macho Man Randy Savage. Undoubtedly. Hope that answers your question, John. Highly appreciate it, and thank you for listening. And uh, if you guys have a question, make sure you hit me up on Twitter, Jaden Becker TV. Let me know. I'm there for you. I'm there for you. Ask me a question, and if it's worthy, if it's worthy for a podcast response, I'll be here for you. I'll be here for you. If it's a, if it's a halfway question, maybe you'll get a tweet. But (laughs) if it's worthy of a podcast response, like this question was, because it really made me sit down and think. Can't just write back, because I honestly didn't really know what to write back. I had to sit down and look at all the facts. 
and finally came up with my answer. But I couldn't give you something off the top of my head there. So um, I'm happy. I'm happy with this answer. I think Shawn Michaels, yes, more impressive legacy, but Michaels isn't there without Savage. All right. Looking at tonight's NXT, Raquel Gonzalez is defending her NXT Women's Championship versus Frankie Monet. B-Fab is going to take on Electra Lopez in a no-disqualifications match. Io Shirai versus Zoe Stark versus uh, Toxic Attraction. Uh, this is for the NXT Women's Tag Team cha Championships. Io Shirai and Zoe Starks are the champions coming into this one. Roderick Strong versus Grayson Waller for the NXT Cruiserweight title. Roderick Strong, the champion. And Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis head out for their honeymoon. So, got to balance things out there with all these championship matches. Can't just have championship matches and, and no DQ matches. Got to have a honeymoon in there somewhere. So, <laughs> NXT 2.0. See how it goes. This is their third week. And uh, I'm excited to see how this moves, especially after all these, how they're booking this card. It looks very, very strong. And also, speaking about Shawn Michaels, he's, he's the one booking this card at the moment. Shawn Michaels. So, here you go. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. Be a five-star listener and leave a review. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.